just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer podcast, and on this edition, we have our cohort and friend, Ed, with us. And Ed, it seems like in between the times you and I talk, there's always so much shit going on. I mean, what happened to the days in this country when you could go for months without even thinking about the government or violent crimes or any of the bullshit we're doing? We seem to be inundated with it every fucking day. Well, I, you know, all I can say is that uh, kids today wouldn't believe it when you say that, but it's true. I mean, we had uh, back in, uh, you know, I was born in 49 and I became aware of stuff probably about mid fifties when I started school and so forth. Uh, Korea was behind me. I missed all of that. So the next big thing that came along was number one, Sputnik. Yeah. And everybody was going, oh, my gosh, you know, the Russians are in space. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And uh, then came uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis and uh, the Kennedy assassination. And it just seemed to accelerate from there. But there was this brief period between uh, probably around 1954 uh, till about 1960 or 59, something like that, where it was pretty much idyllic. And you didn't. You didn't hear much in the way of, uh, um, of, of really bad news. Now, that's speaking from a child's perspective, of course. Right, Adults right. may have felt, felt differently. But I think the big thing has been 24-hour news coverage. Everything becomes a crisis. Everything becomes breaking news, even though it's been around for three days. It's still breaking news. And and um, really, I think uh, not only the 24-hour news cycle, but also the fact that news is big business. It's uh, They sell a lot of commercials on those news programs. Absolutely. <clears throat> the whole uses of breaking news, I find annoying mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, like you say, everything is breaking news and nothing, not everything is breaking news. A good example of breaking news is when Walter Cronkite came in and said the president had been shot, John F. Kennedy, that's fucking breaking news. Or if some other tragedy happens, that's breaking news, but not everything is breaking news. In fact, one of the uh, left's left-sided uh, channels, I think has a whole period of time where it's just called breaking news. And that's fucking annoying. I, I watch TikTok and I watch people, people who do what I do uh, or something like I do. And every, every time they come on, it's breaking news. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's distorting what breaking news actually means. And now breaking news doesn't mean fuck all. Exactly. And uh, it's geared toward getting you to stop and watch. So right. if it bleeds, it leads. If uh, if it's controversial, they'll beat on it. They'll ask the question, does this do this? Does this do that? When the, the, the answer is obvious and it's just to get you riled up to stick around. Uh, I really, really do put a lot of the blame on the media particularly on the news media, particularly on the news directors and the uh, um, 
the head of the news divisions more than the news directors, really the ones that are are charged with making money out of the news. And and it will never go back the way it was, I'm afraid. We'll never have uh, the equivalent uh, of uh, the kind of news we had with Walter Cronkite or Dale. But it doesn't sell. Exactly. I mean, we used to do gavel-to-gavel coverage of political conventions, for God's sake. And that was all that was on. Yeah. You know, they would preempt your gun smoke or whatever to show this boring political convention and and try to make it sound exciting. But it never was or rarely was. But, uh, you know, it was real news back then. Well, I, I've said all along, I've said this a number of times, that journalism in this country no longer exists. There's always a slant to something, whether you're watching the right side media or the left side media, there's always a slant. And and like you say, when it was truly journalism, when a person like Walter Cronkite or Chet Huntley or whoever the fuck it was gave the news, it was kind of boring because it was just straight away, this is what happened, this is the outcome. And then you were allowed to make a choice, do I think that's bad, do I think it's good, should I be worried, should I not be worried? That no longer happens. Everything is more tabloid. It's 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 to needle you or to get you excited or to get you scared with the one in 10, as you said, to keep watching. So our news has become all about money, not about, not about news. And that's the unfortunate thing. And, and fortunately, unfortunately, we've got people who only watch that news. So that's how they make their decisions. That's how they form their opinions. And they're doing it with inaccurate or tainted information. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I do watch MSNBC and some others, and I realize that they are slanted a bit to the left and they do give opinion. But uh, you have to go to Fox and you have to say, this is disgusting. This is ridiculous. This this should not be allowed to be on the air because they are flat out lying. You can uh, I mean, then this has been proved many, 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 many times. And they uh, they have been sued for slander and libel and all of this. And their defense is always the same. Well, we're not news. We're entertainment. And that's what they are. I don't find it entertaining. I find it to be an insult to my intelligence and quite dangerous, as uh, as uh, we have just seen. We have a young man who uh, was educated by Fox News to believe that the country is being invaded by hostile aliens and they're coming to kill and rape and bring drugs and everything. And he decided to be a hero and go kill some of them. And that's exactly what happened. Well, of course, you're talking about this uh, the shooter in Buffalo. Yeah. Killed, killed 10 people, shot 13 people. 18-year-old white kid with an AR-15 walks into the store, shoots all these people. Then we find out he has a manifesto. And in that manifesto is all these tropes uh, suggesting that uh, um, we're being replaced, meaning we, meaning white people being replaced by people of color. Now, this is something that we've been hearing a lot of for a long time, certainly since Donald Trump took office in 2016. Tucker Carlson did a story fucking days ago about replacing white people. And he's he does what he does. He goes, people think this and people think that, and this they're replacing white people. And then he says, because that's what's happening. 
Mm-hmm. And then two days later, some idiot white kid with an AR-15 walks into a grocery store and kills a bunch of black people because he thinks he's a hero, because he thinks he's doing a good job. That's fucking appalling. It is appalling, and it should be actionable. He should be up on charges. Tucker Carlson, I'm talking about, not that, not just the shooter. Uh, right. The other thing we have to take note of, and it always seems to happen this way, when it's a young white man, whether it is uh, a Kyle Rittenhouse or, or this guy or uh, at least 20 others, uh, maybe more than that, when, uh, when they're white, they shoot 10, 20, 15, 30 people, they're taken alive. A right. black guy reaches for a cigarette, he's dead. Right, exactly. And and there's no debating that. We see it every day in the news. Well, if he would have just complied. Well, it didn't make a difference if he was going to comply. He was going to get shot. These white kids go in and do what they do, and they're handled with fucking kid gloves. It's so obvious. and so I mean, to me, I'm an old white guy. I can yeah. see it. If I can see it, we should all be able to see it. Exactly. The kid who, who killed the uh, the black people in the church in South Carolina, cops take him to Burger King after he surrenders. Uh, this tells me one thing. Cops are in on it. Cops approve of it. Cops are going to handle them with kid gloves. gloves. They're a part of the problem. Clean well, your house. Clean your house, cops, right now. Well, and the cops are doing it. You know, that's what I'm saying. That's that that they 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 are doing it and they are supporting it. And I've often said, you know, people say, well, let's defund the police. And that's kind of a um, um, a crazy reaction to this thing. And what what I've suggested of what to do with cops is to make it a more professional organization. Bingo. Pay them more money. Bring better people in train them extensively, both physically and emotionally and mentally and hold them to the, hold their feet to the fire as far as being accountable. If you go through this training and you do all this and you make this kind of money, you fuck up one time and kill somebody just because you lost your shit or because you got scared, you're fucking gone. And to me, that's the only way to fix the situation. Um, That's part of it. I've got another solution too. If someone is killed, even if they have committed a crime of some of some sort that would not ordinarily be given the death penalty, then the cop has to be charged. He has to go on trial. He has to prove that he did not act maliciously. They also have to cancel this training they get from their union that encourages them to empty their clip when they fire and to fire at any any motion that could be considered to be dangerous. They don't do it for white kids. They don't have to do it for black men and women, especially if they're asleep in their beds or on a sofa. Right. And what you're talking about is qualified immunity. You know, it kind of gives these cops extra room to do what they do and, and gives them an argument if they do go to court. A qualified immunity has to go away. And I'll tell you why it has to go away. And and we have to address this with our politicians and people that are wealthy. Our courts constantly tell us nobody is above the law. And when they say nobody, they mean nobody. But clearly people are above the law. Police officers who get away with this shit. Politicians who do what they do. Rich people that do what they do. 
They are above the law. I don't care what anybody says. So if you're going to tell us that, then give us that. Fucking do something about it. We need to make it an even playing field that if bad shit is done, you're responsible. You need to pay the consequences. Exactly. Let me give you an example locally. Last 4th of July, uh, there's this kind of notorious place uh, in a town near where I'd live. It used to be uh, a motel once upon a time. Then it became kind of a residence motel. It's a hotbed for meth dealers and people homeless who would otherwise be homeless and so forth. Um, police got a call. There was a woman banging on the doors on the second floor carrying a gun. They show up. It's an older white lady. She's 55 years old. She looks about 80. Uh, she's waving a gun. They pull out an AR-15 and shoot her dead. Uh, right. They fire two two shots. One misses. One gets her. Um, an AR-15 is meant for one thing. It's to kill people. No they question. Don't, they don't try to disarm this woman. Uh, they claim that they tried to reason with her, but uh, it turned out to be a BB gun not a regular gun. She was high. You know, she came back positive for meth and so forth. And yeah, I understand it's a dangerous job, but uh, somebody, either a sergeant or a lieutenant or somebody, or maybe the patrolman himself decided, <coughs> I, I am now the judge, the jury, and the executioner on this woman. I hasten to add there was no one else present. There was no one else that could who could be seen except for this woman and the cops. I, I drove. I looked at this location. They were as close. I could have hit the woman with a rock. Right. I could have. I, she could have been hit with pepper spray. She could have been hit with uh, uh, those um, uh, beanbag things. There was a, a many, many different things they could have done. And if the guy can shoot well enough to hit her in the torso, he can shoot her well enough to hit her in the ankle or something, which would achieve the same thing. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sick of this. I'm sick and tired of these guys being judge, jury, and executioner. It's not meant to be that way. Not meant to be that way, and that's not, a way, that not the way America is supposed to work. Now, in the last podcast, I talked about this a bit because, I, 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 you know, everybody wonders, what should we do about this? Now, the Republicans in this situation, all they'll offer up is hopes and prayers. I mean, let's be honest. They love guns. They don't mind killing. And if it's people of color, all the fucking better. But we have to address the Democrats, too. Democrats will wring their hands, say how horrible it is, and still do nothing. This has been going on for decades, periods of time when Democrats have been in control and when Republicans have been in control. The worst part of this scenario is that those politicians reflect us. Exactly. The, the crazy Republicans are reflecting onto the politicians and they think they can do whatever the fuck they want. Now, we Democrats, I, 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 I don't like saying that because I'm not really a Democrat, but I'm on the Democrat side at this point. Um, we, we do all the same things. We go, oh, God, it's terrible. It's fucking awful. But like our politicians, they don't do shit about it. Nothing has been. I, I, I always say that people don't do anything until it pinches them in their ass. Like, yep. say, one of their family members gets shot. Then all of a sudden, it's the worst thing in the world. And that's the problem with with the left side. They often are complacent. They often are apathetic. And they get nothing done. And 
what I'm suggesting is that if we sit back and expect our politicians to fix this, they're not going to do fuck all about anything until we do something. And what I mean by that is kind of what's going on with the overturning Roe v. Wade thing. This hit home with a lot of women. They are fucking pissed and they are protesting. Now, you and I can both remember the 60s. I was younger than you. But uh, Nixon didn't end the Vietnam War. The young kids and the hippies ended the war by putting the constant pressure with protest. And, yeah, it cost them some lives and it caused some violence. But they kept pushing. That's what ended the war. Women, yeah, You know why we did it? Because that was part of it. Self-interest. We yeah. are the ones being sent over to Vietnam, we and our friends. Right. I, I knew two of my friends from high school died in Vietnam. I was pissed off. I was not. Uh, and so we, we held their feet to the fire. We walked in front of politicians' houses. We did that. And, you know, now they're trying to make that illegal, <laughs> you know, because they're so afraid. But, uh, you know, that's part of the job, people. Yeah. It is part of the job, but, but it didn't stop with just the war. No. Women's rights was fought for pretty heavily in the 60s and 70s. People don't understand how, how marginalized women were as only as far back as the 50s, 60s, even the 70s. I mean, in the 60s, a woman legally could not own a fucking credit card. And that's just the minimal part of it. But those women stood up, they burned bras, they fought, they protested. And what happened? Politicians folded under the pressure and they did what they were supposed to do. But they didn't do it until the pressure was applied. And then this is where it comes in to teach real history here. Now, how many schools do you think are teaching the history of women's rights? I would guess it's few. Uh, how yeah. many are t- telling them that, that women couldn't were not admitted to Ivy League schools until the 70s? Couldn't um, even be a lawyer No, they wanted to. Exactly. I mean, some states you could. Wyoming, uh, you, they couldn't sit on juries because they, they thought they were too delicate to hear uh, murder cases and that sort of thing. Uh, it was only the Western states where they had too few men to do that sort of thing that they would allow women on. Uh, but it, it, the fight for women's rights goes way back to, uh, you know, they were uh, they were out marching and getting beat up and jailed and right. uh, roughed up to, just to get the vote, much less anything else. And they're still trying to get pay equity. And now, once again, they're going to have to get out there, march and uh, and bring the heat to do something to preserve a woman's right to choose. Well, they've been trying to pass the Equal Rights Amendment since, what, the 70s, the 80s? And yeah, they need, well, it, need two-thirds it, it, of the country to ratify it, and they can't get it done. Well, it's, it's failed now. They would have to go back and start from scratch. Right. Uh, um, yeah, that was the thing. They came close, and they just barely got the vote. Uh, as a matter of fact, Tennessee... Uh, my home state is the one that gave women the right to vote. And it was because of one guy um, who received a, a letter from his mother the day of the vote. He had already committed to vote against giving women the right to vote. And uh, he changed his vote. And he was chased from the chamber and had to hide out in the attic of the Capitol for an entire day uh, to, to keep from getting lynched. Yeah. But uh, he did uh, 
uh, he did uh, stand up for his mom and uh, give women the right to vote. And Tennessee became the last state to ratify and uh, give them the number they need to give give women um, the right to vote. Well, then there's the civil rights thing, and I'm mm-hmm. all I'm I'm terribly impressed by Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X. All the all the activists for civil rights and the black community. Um, here's a group of people that have been marginalized for at that point what maybe 150, 170 years. Well, the the first slaves got here in 1619. Okay, so it's uh, all to, that time they've been either slaves or marginalized, and yep. they are a minority, so they don't really hold at that point any power in terms of votes if they even got the opportunity to vote. But somehow they decided, fuck this, we're fighting back. It's insurmountable odds, but we're going to fight back. And they did, and they did, and they kept fighting, and they kept fighting, uh, and they, 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 they got some headway. They aren't where they're supposed to be. They haven't reached that yet, sadly. But they did break a barrier and another barrier, and, and, and they got some of what they were wanting. My point is is that this is a lot like the 60s right now. Mm -hmm. The only way we got things done in the 60s is by the people rising up, pushing back, screaming and yelling. And given what we're seeing from the Republican Party and and all this racism and misogyny and all that stuff, because this isn't new, this happened over the decades. The only way we do this is if the people in this country say, fuck it, we're fighting back. That's the only way this happens, because our politicians aren't going to do it for us. Don't expect them to do shit unless they have to. And that's when they have to deal with us. Exactly. But also remember that Martin Luther King, Gandhi, all of the great leaders um, have uh, come from a position of non-violence, because that gives you the moral authority. Now, uh, with the, the civil rights movement, with, uh, with every movement that's been successful, the anti-war movement, we didn't pick up clubs and go after the cops. They picked up clubs and came after us. We suffered the blows, but right. we claimed the moral high ground because of that. The minute that you become violent, you lose the battle. So you have to fight, but you have to fight with nonviolence. It's the only way it works. We've seen it work too many times, but then you have to hold it. See, that's what happened. We won great battles in the 60s, and then we went off and we lived our lives, and we didn't keep our eyes on the prize, and we didn't defend what. And then we allow a court to be seated that rolls back part of the Voting Rights Act. And uh, we are now they're rolling back uh, a woman's right to choose because we allowed them to do that. But we can take it back. But we have to be committed and we have to have the moral fiber to do it nonviolently. Benjamin Franklin once said, and this is something we should take note of. I've heard it. Re- I've heard it quoted many times, but now um, now it's more important than ever. He said, you can have a republic. If you can keep it, meaning having a republic or the democracy is kind of a tenuous thing. There's always going to be somebody that's coming to try to take it away. There's always going to be somebody who tries to usurp that whole thing. So what he's saying here is we've always got to be aware of it and we've always got to be willing to 
fight back against it. We can't sit back being fat and sassy and just being happy with the way it goes because there are fucking people out there trying to undermine all of this at every step. And now it's rising to the surface. Now they want to overturn Roe v. Wade. Now they want to suppress people of color's uh, uh, votes. If you think it's going to get better, it's not until we fucking push these people back. Exactly. Now the, uh, you know, moving back a little bit to what we were talking about, this uh, replacement theory, uh, that has a lot to do with voting. That's, that's what they're saying is, we're, they claim that Biden has an open border, which, of course, he does not. He's deporting just as many people right back as, as Trump ever did. Right. He's not separating families like Trump did, but uh, we're not allowing any more people to stay. We're still keeping them in Mexico. and We're not letting them come into this country to wait for asylum and so forth. I, I, I personally think we're being too rough. Because I think we can accommodate a heck of a lot of people to do the work that nobody else wants to do. Part of our problem right now is we don't have people to work in jobs that uh, nobody really wants to do. I mean, if, 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 if you're afraid of an immigrant taking your job, if you're not picking vegetables or working on a roof in 100 degree heat, you probably don't have a lot to worry about. But uh, they, they're saying they want to let all these immigrants come in, let them vote for Democrats, which is, I mean, it's science fiction. It's insane. This is Twilight Zone stuff. They don't get to vote. We know right. that there was no voter fraud in the last election, even though 70 percent of fucking idiots who call themselves Republicans believe there was. There wasn't. OAN just had to go and and uh, and say no there was no fraud they had to admit it or they would have been sunk financially they did it of course they're still running ads for uh de Sosa's videos which say the opposite but they had to admit it they had to come out and do it um you know trump and his lawyers are still facing a billion dollar claim from the voting machine uh, uh, folks, uh, they will win it if it gets to court. And I hope it does. And I hope these people wind up in living in tents somewhere or, or in orange jumpsuits. But there but, is no replacement going on, period. Well, and, and, and this this concept, this replacement theory, has been going on a while, as I mentioned, in South Carolina, Charlottesville, I believe that's where it is. Uh, right. we, we, of course, had those people. We saw them on the news walking around saying, you will not replace us. And then we hear Tucker Carlson talking about the replacement theory, and he's explaining it. And he says, because it's real. And then two days later, some 18-year-old kid with an AR-15 goes, shoots 10 people. And then they find this this manifesto, and uh, what's he quoting? The replacement theory. This is an insidious thing that's going on, and I don't think people in the Democratic side really understood the importance. I don't think any of us did, but now we're seeing coming to the to the top. We saw it in South Carolina. We saw it on Tucker Carlson. We saw it uh, with this kid, and this is what they're doing they're whipping fear up into these people saying you're going to be replaced you're going to be replaced by people of color and you cannot stand for that 
And this is what they do. They, they, they work off of fear and they incite these motherfuckers. And that's exactly what Tucker Carlson did. I mean, if you're mad at Donald Trump for inciting the uh, insurrection, well, the same thing should be said for Tucker Carlson. You can say whatever you want. You do have your First Amendment right, but there is some accountability. And as they say, the 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 uh, the trivial thing they say is you can't scream fire in a movie theater because uh, well, of the da- damage it's going to do with people running out and all that stuff. He should be held responsible. I don't know if he will, but it's up to the Democrats. It's up to us to make him responsible. Yeah, we don't have a mechanism, I don't think, anymore. I mean, we once had the Fairness Doctrine and things like that, although that never applied to cable. So uh, we really don't have a mechanism to make them go away. I mean, I suppose uh, back during World War II, uh, there was Father Conklin, the uh, radio priest, who was who was very right-wing. He was taken off the air because he was, according to President Roosevelt, he was damaging the war effort. So uh, the and uh, pressure was brought to bear on the, the Catholic Church to remove him, which they did. Um, that's the only one that I can think of where that happened. I don't know that we have a mechanism to do anything other than to put pressure on advertisers and say, this is, uh, hey, Disney, hey, uh, whoever is, you know, advertising on Tucker Carlson's program. You know, you, you're, you're helping this guy kill people. You can, you can do that. I mean, the bottom line is always the way to go um, and to uh, to get them to just pull out and stop uh, stop sponsoring it. By the way, Charlottesville, I think, is Virginia. Virginia, but, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, this, is, this has been building. And unless you're not a right-wing idiot who frequents these uh, um, shadowy uh, 4chan channels and, and and all of that on the you don't know about this replacement crap because it, it doesn't make any sense right and it, you have to be so far down the rabbit hole already when you buy into this that it, that it becomes a real problem now the politics of it are certainly uh something that has to be addressed but the other thing is the guns for god's sake now i, I live in a state where an 18 year old they just passed this an 18 year old can go and get any kind of gun he wants without a permit and cannot and can carry without a permit, can have it in his car, can have it on his person. Now, schools and that sort of churches and so forth can ban guns on premises. They can still do that. But uh, if I'm walking down the street and I'm meeting a teenager, I don't know if he's got a gun in his pocket or not now. That's insane. That's just, it's just nuts. But we, they, uh, they get away with it. We need some sort of national resolve that would say, you know, look, even in open carry states, most people don't carry guns, only really fearful people. And that's what's at base here. You have these economically, in many cases, economically disadvantaged people. They're scared. They hear this this uh, uh, rhetoric about replacement theory and so forth, and their gun gives them a little bit of a sense of security, a little bit of, of prestige that I'm standing against the hordes of communism or, or whatever the bugaboo is today, uh, that that it gives them a little comfort. And, and that's part of it. And I understand that. 
And, you know, I grew up with guns and, and I, I fired expert with an M16 in the U.S. Army. I'm a crack shot, but I don't own a gun. I don't need one. All right. All right. Well, you know, let's talk about the guns. We've got to take a break here, but let's talk about the guns after there's some interesting um, things to think about with this overturning Roe v. Wade and the whole gun situation. Let's talk about that because there's some some things that connect here. The important thing to remember is people with guns who are fearful, they don't think they react. And that's where we get the fucking problems like Buffalo. Let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me, and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. All right, we are back, and we've been talking about the shooting in Buffalo, the other shootings around the country. There's been well over 100 mass shootings since January 1st of 2022. It's fucking nuts. The gun situation is crazy, and I, wa I want to talk about a couple of things. They always refer to the Second Amendment. Now, if you read the Second Amendment, nowhere in that says everybody gets as many guns as they want and they can do whatever they want. It talks about a well-regulated militia. And as I talked in the podcast, the last podcast, what that basically means, the reason it was put there is because the founders of this country knew that uh, our, our government would be kind of tenuous, that somebody could come along and try to take over the government. And if that should happen, the well-regulated militia should have guns to take back their country. That really was the essential part of it. The whole idea of using it for hunting or protection in those days, that was a given, you know, but that that's not what the, the, uh, the, the second amendment says, but they've got the Supreme court to say, Oh no, it means everybody can have fucking guns. Everybody can do whatever the fuck they want. But there's one thing I want to bring up at is, is that I think is, uh, it shows, the lack of foresight with Republicans. Now, when they're trying to overturn Roe v. Wade, they're essentially overturning right to privacy. Yep. And, that, and that can take off into other things, gay marriage, LGBTQ uh, 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 rights, civil rights, for that matter. It can fucking do that. You can know they're going to go after that. But one thing birth they control. Are, birth, birth control. control. Absolutely. You know, fuck, it's crazy. You can't buy... Well, 
I mean, are condoms okay? Cause it's prior to entering the woman's body. I don't fucking know, but, but, but here's the thing that's interesting. You were talking about, about guns and all the things that should be done for guns. There has long been a desire to get a national registration of guns, which is a right. good thing. I mean, we've got to get a fucking license. We got to get insurance to drive a car. So what would be different about having some kind of national registration for guns, but the Republicans fight it all the time and it has not been done as yet. And you know what the basis of their argument is right to privacy. So yeah. you take, you undermine o, Roe v. Wade and you take away that right to privacy thing. You can bet at some point they're going to come with a national registry for guns, uh, as well as other things that you've claimed for the right to privacy. And you fuckers set the precedent, but they don't think far enough to head. They want what they want now, and they don't consider what the future might bring. That's the kind of fucking children we're dealing with. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I, I would go further and say that the whole Second Amendment should just be sunset because, as you point out, it starts off, it leads off with a, the need for a well-regulated militia. It's the first thing. It's obviously the most important. And it's the point of the whole thing. We had no standing army at the time. We couldn't afford one. Right. And and so it fell upon the citizen soldier to be to to step up when an army was needed, leave home, bring their weapons and and uh, go to it. We had no standing army. We do now. We have a standing army and Navy and Marines and Air Force and Space Force and Coast Guard. We have all those things that are manned constantly every day. Uh, we have state militias. We have uh, um, we have national guards. We have reserves. We do not need individual weapons anymore. And it, the whole Second Amendment was dedicated to that purpose. It's superfluous. It needs to go away. It's used as a justification uh, for the gun industry to sell a lot of guns and a lot of ammunition. And that's the big impetus for the whole thing. It's commerce is what it comes down to. Politicians receive big money from the gun companies. When the when Tennessee governor signed this new law that allows 18-year-olds to carry without a permit, to own a gun without a permit, he signed it at an ammunition factory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what everything is about in this country. And that's what has to be recognized and has to be adjusted, whether it's the good things we get or the bad things we get. The only reason it happens is because somebody is making a fucking lot of money. And, uh, and, and, and this, this is why I'm saying what we're dealing with, with our politicians, be they Democrat or Republican, they aren't working in our best interest. Typically, sometimes they do, but only if it benefits them. I mean, I'm, I'm, you're a Democrat. I'm not a Democrat. Here's what I would suggest. Now, the Democrats are looking to give back to the middle class. That's great. They're looking for gun control. That's great. But are they? why are they doing that? Because it's the one thing they can go against the Republicans with. It's the opposite of what they want. So they think they can win votes with it. I'm not saying the Democrats are bad. But they've been in power. We're talking 100 years, whether it be Democrat or Republican. The Democrats have had plenty of opportunities to do something, you know, whether it's to codify Roe v. Wade or, or do something with gun control. And they didn't do it because the, the Democrats 
probably get some money from the gun lobby as well. That's why I'm saying it's on us. Oh, absolutely, they do. And the other thing, of course, is uh, both the Democrats and the Republicans tend to represent uh, the suburbs. They don't represent the inner city. They don't represent uh, uh, the great unwashed, if you will. Uh, right. they, they represent the people who have some bucks, who uh, um, you know, have their home and their car and their 3.2 kids and, and so forth, who really want law and order. And so we, uh, we count out, we let them have guns because of that, or the Democratic politicians do. They are wishy-washy and lukewarm on uh, on getting rid of guns because they know the suburban people probably have one tucked in the uh you know the the nightstand that the kid's going to pull out and shoot mom with at some point right but uh um and really that's most gun most shootings are accidental in this country did you know that i did not know that Either uh, it's either hunters falling on their own guns, shooting someone in their own party, uh, suicides or uh, um, inadvertent discharges. That that's what's killing most people with guns. And that alone is a reason to restrict or otherwise, uh, you know, get rid of them. But uh, uh, really, it's it's we're we're uh, once again, it's economic. It's an economic thing where uh, people want to feel safe. So. Well, uh, even the Democratic politicians do get money, of course, from uh, and sometimes, as we know now, it's Russian money. Uh, right. All the money, all the money that the NRA was doling out to uh, politicians in the last election and in the election where Donald Trump uh, supposedly beat Hillary Clinton came from Russia and was uh, laundered, so to speak, by the NRA and then doled out to politicians like Marco Rubio and Mitch McConnell and many others who took that Russian money. The, the, the Republicans really have to address how much they're being funded and controlled by Russia. If we go back to 1980, when, when, when Ronald Reagan was a Republican president, it's, it's a 180 switch because at that point they were the evil empire. They were, they were the worst things on earth. And, uh, Republicans hated them. Now they fucking love them. Now they support them. Now they think that, uh, they're, that, that they're, this is their only way to win because they are desperate, because they don't have enough voters anymore. So they have to try to game the system. I just want to say, too, I'm not against guns at all. I hunted when I was a kid. I had owned a couple of guns. I don't now because I, I don't fucking need them. I don't own a Bentley car either because I don't need them. I'd rather drive a Hyundai Santa Fe, you know, doesn't fucking right. matter. But, but, but the thing is, is that if you drive a car, you've got to go through some training. You've got to do on the road training. You've got to take a test to get your permit. You've got to take a test, both written and on the road to get your license. And then you're required to follow certain laws, and then you're required to have insurance. If we can do that for cars, what's the problem with doing the same thing with guns? I, I think we can all agree. We don't want fucked up crazy people to own guns. I would expect the Republicans would say that too, but they refuse to push that issue. This is absolutely true. And I've got to jump back to the nonviolence thing, though. You were there in Minnesota when the George Floyd thing came about. 
Right. And the the only reason that it came about because a, a young woman stood there with her phone and recorded the entire incident and it couldn't be argued with. Right. And uh, uh, but uh, uh, my old neighborhood, I, I lived uh, not quite a mile from the police station that was burned down and the target that was burned down and that entire corridor, every business around the home that um, where my wife and I lived there in Minnesota was burned and looted. Right. Now, um, we had already moved by that point, but I, I followed it. I spoke with on the phone with our, our previous neighbors to make sure they were okay and everything. And had I been there, my, uh, my neighbor, two houses down, the retired Colonel and I would have been out there with his uh, stash of, of weapons and we would have kept people from bothering our houses. Right. So this is why violence is never the answer. Uh, what the, all of that violence did was simply turn the people in the suburbs uh, who might have been sympathetic watching a man tortured to death in the middle of a street with a, with a knee on his neck who would have sympathy for that man suddenly lost their sympathy when they saw crowds of people destroying businesses that had nothing to do with that. Now, I will say this. I know I've seen the video that a lot of that violence was spurred on by Proud Boy type guys. Absolutely. Who came there for exactly that reason and did that for several days. We know that. We've seen the video. There's no arguing with it. But other people then piled on and kept that going. And neighborhoods were looted and burned and innocent people were put out of business and their homes destroyed. And that turned public opinion in the wrong way. Otherwise, everybody would have been together with them. And maybe the police could have been, if not defunded, in some way or other restructured so that that kind of thing didn't happen. But no, suddenly you see this this group of people who don't look like you burning things down. You want those police suddenly. And that's the problem. What is the problem? And, you know, one of the biggest turning point in those riots, I thought, the most frightening thing now, as you know, Ed, I grew up in that same neighborhood, not too far yeah. from all of that as well. I lived there when I was young. And <clears throat> when the 3rd Precinct police station was burned down, I thought that was a huge turning point. Are you serious? These are our police officers. And I'll tell you, the 3rd Precinct, going back as far as I can remember in the 60s, that's a fucking sketchy, sketchy precinct. There's a lot oh, of bad sure. A lot of bad. Sh- I mean, I know people that have worked in that precinct and there's a lot of sketchy shit. There's a lot of shit I've seen them do. So this has a long history of being a sketchy place. But to watch that place burn and there is nobody fighting for that that building, that seemed like a turning point to me in this. And that upset me. But you know who was arrested? You know who arrested and was tried for that? It was mostly white people. Yeah, that were that that were arrested for burning this. There might have been one other black person, but you have to understand mob mentality. And and this is what the Proud Boys understood. You saw the video of them guy breaking the windows, you know, of covered from head to toe on yeah. a supply place. Yeah, break, dressed break. in black and uh, with it. he had an umbrella, so his his fellow people wouldn't shoot him. Right. You know, uh, and, and, and then, of course, the third precinct and other things. There is no question that white supremacists infiltrated that and started the violence. And, of course, violence breeds more violence. 
and then then people of color and the other uh, non people of or people that are white are there and they're getting caught up in it. Somebody had to start the ball rolling. I mean, because let's be honest, this Roe v. Wade thing. Here's the ironic thing: all these people, all these women and men protesting for Roe v. Wade. Not one building burned, not one fight, not any gunfire. Nobody was killed because these people aren't going in and trying to start shit. That's what happened in Minneapolis. I don't care what anybody fucking says. There are white people who started the ball rolling. The people of color, rightfully mad, got caught up in it, and they did it. Not to say they're innocent. Anybody who did anything that was illegal or damaged property or hurt people, they should be fucking tried and put in jail. I don't care what color you are. But it didn't have to go that way, and the Proud Boys and the white supremacists helped it along to become a violent scene. Absolutely they did. And I'm I mean this this had the 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 Roger Stone stamp of approval on it. I mean this Absolutely. idea that that you get things I think there was a lot of outside uh folks that were sent in specifically for that purpose. We were we had the reports of the black SUVs speeding around town and starting fires for days. Right. Uh, that was, uh, you can call it conspiracy theory, but I have eyewitness accounts from people who I trust. And I was, you know, I did news, but before that, I, uh, I, I was well connected in the police, uh, community. Let's put it that way. And, uh, I went to a lot of cop parties. I knew a lot of, a lot of cops and I knew there was a big strain of, uh, anti-black and anti-immigrant sympathy throughout the police departments, particularly in the suburban ones. Right, right, right. Well, you know, the thing about it is, is when we first saw the uh, people charge the Capitol, I think all of us thought it was uh, a bunch of ham-handed dumb fucks just losing their shit and going toward the Capitol. But now as we step back, as we investigate we realized that there was a well thought out and premeditated plan. And that was just part of the plan. There were other angles they were going to do, you know, replacing the electors or, or Donald Trump calling in and, and blackmailing people and that stuff. There was a concerted effort. There was a plan. There was a strategy to do that. So if you think that they can do that, and we know that they did to think that they didn't do the same thing with these riots, you're fucking fooling yourself. There was a strategy. There was a Roger Stone or whoever else, and they went in there trying to ignite the violence. They wanted the violence because they wanted to say, see, those black people are animals. They just fight, and they're dangerous, and they're violent. And that was that was a well-thought-out plan. I don't care what yep. anybody says. Absolutely. And I think uh, I think that uh, the assault on the Capitol was kind of a a last ditch thing. I think that uh, really the uh, the Minneapolis riots, those in Portland and in other cities were engineered so that Trump could declare martial law and not even have an election when when that when the military would not go along with it that plot was was canceled and they they went ahead and they had the fake electors and they did all that and they tried the court cases to to challenge the vote and so forth but then ultimately they had to have that uh, 
that riot in order to keep Pence from uh, from certifying those electors. And they right. they were ready to spirit him away and have Chuck Grassley uh, send those electors <laughs> back and deny those uh those to certify those votes it was all well in hand it's there they need to put chuck grassley under a hot light and uh, fry the old bastard until he admits that uh, that was exactly what he was going to do well exactly and, and you know the thing is is that when when people think of a president uh instituting martial law back then People said, oh, that's crazy. He's not going to do that. But now we're seeing fucking text uh, of martial law being suggested to Donald Trump. That was in the mix. They oh, were yeah. talking about it. That was part of the plan. So it's not fucking crazy. It's real. And that's the most frightening part of it. Well, the, what people don't understand, I think, was uh, leading up and in the final year of the Trump presidency, Everybody from Mitch McConnell on down knew that Trump was going to lose. Right. Absolutely. I, I mean, they do their own polling. They know what's going on. They knew there was no way he was going to be reelected. He knew it. So uh, he, he started this back when he was running against Hillary. I'll accept the uh, real results of the election if I win. Right. Uh, he was uh, he was already planting the seeds for later declaring that the, the election was invalid so he could stay in power. It was it was his idea from the beginning to create a, a, a never ending uh, Trump uh, administration. Well, he even did it before the 2020 election. I'm going to win yeah. this thing. We're, there's going to be a red wave. There's going to be all this stuff. And and but if I don't win, there's obviously election fraud. Right. So so he 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 planted the seed well before the election even, and we knew what the outcome would be. Uh, he's trying to game the system from the beginning, and uh, he can't admit loss. So he's got to come up with an excuse to point out why he lost and how it wasn't his fault. And then, of course, all these little Trumplifucks and all the Republican Party got behind this and says, yeah, he's right. We we shouldn't have lost. And then it becomes a big mess that we're currently in. I had to laugh the other day. He at his latest rally, he told people, I'm writing a book called The Crime of the Century about how the election was stolen. Number one, he can't write. No. Number two, if the book is you can't it would be fiction because uh, obviously it was not stolen and there's no way to prove that it was because it wasn't. Right. And, uh, but um, I'm sure his, his uh, groupies thought that was just great. They can't wait to line up and buy that sucker. I mean, maybe somebody will write it. You know, it certainly won't be Trump. He can't put two words together and come up with a sentence. We know that. No, he didn't write. He didn't write any of his. He what has he got? Two or three books. He didn't write any of them. No, he didn't write Art of the Deal. He had had some uh, uh, some ghostwriter who now is speaking out and talking about how crazy he is. First of all, that's a poor marketing plan. If Donald Trump wants to write a book, the people <laughs> that would be willing to buy it fucking can't read or won't read. They're right. not an educated group of people. And I'm not talking about Republicans. I'm talking about the 30% base. You know, all these fuckers want is cheap beer, some tobacco, a truck and a gun and, uh, uh, and go out and fight with somebody. These yeah, fuckers aren't buying a book. Girl, don't forget the 13 year old girlfriend. Yeah. yeah well, cousin. 
13 year old girlfriend who happens to be a cousin and they think that's perfectly fine. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know what they hope to accomplish. You know, the last thing I wanted to talk about was these primaries coming up because this is, this is going to affect Donald Trump directly. Now oh, we, I hope the crazies win every one of them. I do I too. really do. I every do one of them. I do too. And, and, you know, I don't know that we can lose on some of these. We know the Nebraska guy running for governor who had some pesky sexual assault allegations. Well, Donald Trump supported him. He did not win. That that's a stain on Donald Trump and kind of loosens the grip of, that he has on the Republican Party. Now in Pennsylvania, here's a win-win situation for Democrats. He's supporting uh, Dr. Oz, who is a fucking yeah. nutcase, a carpetbagger and a piece of shit, because I don't even think he lives in Pennsylvania. Maybe he's like uh, maybe he's like uh, Mark Meadows and has a fucking mobile home on the edge <laughs> of the border someplace that he never goes to. I, I don't know. But he's a crazy fuck. Donald Trump gets behind him. The Republicans get behind him and everybody's going, yeah, yeah. Donald Trump's going to win again because he endorses him. But then comes Catherine Barnett. She's an African-American <laughs> woman. She's fucking crazier than Ed, uh, than, than met Oz. So now she's surging for whatever reason, people don't, Donald Trump fans don't like Dr. Oz. And I don't know why he's a creepy motherfucker. So this woman comes along and she's fucking crazy. She hates Muslims. She hates the LGBTQ. So we might get a win-win situation here. Dr. Oz loses. Donald Trump gets another stain and shows that he's not powerful. But we get somebody even fucking crazier in it. So when they go up against the Democrats, they have no chance because nobody's voting for that bullshit. We, we certainly hope. We certainly hope. And just based on the fact that uh, Joe Biden was able to beat Donald Trump, uh, I hope that the Democrats haven't been confused, that that uh, they haven't been worn down by by covid and by uh, uh, baby formula and inflation and all of these tangents that 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 the news media keep throwing out there because ABC, CBS, NBC, and many others are, are corporate media, and they are slaves to the corporations who are slaves to the oligarchs, and they are making Biden look just as bad as they possibly can. It's yeah. true. There's no arguing with it. And um, if the Democrats are smart enough uh, to step up and vote blue and vote Everyone needs to get to the polls. Everyone needs to vote or uh, this is the only shot we get, folks. If Trump were to be reelected, if we were to lose the Senate and uh, the House or even one of those bodies, it's all over. It's done. The, The grand experiment is over. Democracy will be banished. Right. You know, at that point, if if. The Republicans win in 2022. I mean, people voted for or against Donald Trump in 2020 because they were scared. If you were scared in 2020, you should be more scared now. There should be an unprecedented turnout by the Democrats. Because honestly, you know, this is just me. But if we go into 2022 and the uh, the Republicans win the Senate and the House and in 2024, it goes to a Republican. I don't think Donald Trump's running at all. I just don't see that fucking happening. He won't be in a position to do that. But if you do that, I got to throw up my hands and say, you get what you fucking deserve. 
You know, well, you'll the, wait till you get pinched in the ass and then you'll be upset about it after the fact. And now what are you going to do? Well, see, that's the problem. I'm not willing to do that. I'm living on uh, a pension, Social Security and investment income, all of which would be uh, impacted by a Republican administration that wants to sunset Social Security and Medicare and wants to essentially destroy half my income. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I'm invested in this uh, to the point where uh, um, I'm, I'm, I uh, am optimistic to a certain degree, uh, but at the same time, I don't trust my fellow man all that much. No, the, the, the only thing that I think is positive about this thing, if we were going into the midterms and they said, well, the Democrats are good, the Republicans are bad, and here's a couple issues why I would be more fearful. I don't think the Republicans can win in the midterms, and here's why. They've already said they're going to take away constitutional rights, which never happened before from 51% of the country. These women are not fucking happy and many men aren't happy. They've said they've proven that they're going to marginalize people of color. They said they're going to cancel or, or make illegal being part of the LGBT community. How do you win elections when you piss off that many people? I don't care about fucking gerrymandering or anything. There isn't enough people that agree with what they're doing. 70% of the people uh, support Roe v. Wade, and you're going to, uh, I to be a perfect announcement, I don't think they are going to overturn Roe v. Wade prior to the midterms. They're going to find a way out of it. Well, we'll see. I, I don't know, because what you're dealing here with, uh, Roberts might believe, be flexible, but the other conservatives on that court are fanatics. They are, uh, they were chosen because of that they were put in place because of that and uh they um they support that that brief right down the line now if some sort of uh if, if it can be tempered in some way if they can come back and say okay we're just going to agree with the mississippi case we're gonna say you can't have an abortion past 13 weeks um they might do that they might. Right. I don't know. But are people going to accept that? Because most women don't know they're pregnant at 13 weeks. Well, and the thing is, they've already exposed themselves, whether they overturn right. Roe v. Wade now between now and, and November or they don't. They we've already seen what their intention is. But here's 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 going to be the telling factor in this. If they do not overturn Roe v. Wade, as they showed they would in this opinion, if they do not, you're talking about all these people feeling strongly about abortion and these fanatics, and they will just do what they do. Can we agree that if they don't do it, that is proof positive, at least to me, that they are influenced by the Republican Party and people with money? Yes. And if that is the case, we don't have a Supreme Court anymore. No. And that gives us the, the re. And that's why we have to get the House and the Senate in sufficient numbers that we can expand the court and we can do everything that we need to do. Because quite frankly, the Republican, their ultimate goal is to weaken the federal government to the point where it is ineffectual and only state governments count, which they can control through gerrymandering, through intimidation, however they want to do it. We see it. 
we see what happens in the uh, in the South and in the West, where uh, in the West there, there's just very little population. I mean, you've got two senators representing cow chips and prairie dogs primarily right. in, in all those Western states. In the South, it's a, the solid South again. Solid idiots from from uh, from uh, one state border to the other, um, and it's the old Confederacy <laughs> come home again. Well, you know, the thing is, people are talking about, well, they, excuse me, they they talk about stacking the court, which means really expanding the court. And people on both sides think, oh, that's radical. That's just trying to game the system. Not really. This was made a nine justice court back in the days, I think in the 1800s, when we had nine circuits. Yep. Nine circuits in this country. Well, we now have 13 circuits, so it seems reasonable that we should expand it with four more uh, justices. I mean, that's perfectly logical. If we did this at one point, we matched the number of judges to the number of circuits, then naturally we should expand it when the circuits expand. It's not crazy. It's not fucking outrageous. We've got more people in more situations now. We should be better represented in the Supreme Court. We should be, but we need 60 votes plus the vice president. Then we can end the filibuster for all time. Uh, We can expand the court. And uh, there are other things we can do. We can codify Roe versus Wade. We can do so many things that will uh, turn the country back around and halt this rush to um, oligarchy and ultimately, of course, to to dictatorship. And that, that brings us back to what I was saying earlier in the podcast. If you think your politicians, Democrat or Republican, are going to do something to save us, you're fucking on a fool's errand. It's not going to happen. It comes back to us. It needs for us to be outraged and upset and speak out and protest and push these motherfuckers to do what, uh, what they're supposed to do. There is one court in the land that is most powerful, more powerful than any other court. And that is the court of a public opinion. Because all yes. these fuckers, fuckers live on their jobs and their votes and their money. And if the public opinion is going against them, that's when they change. And that's the only time they change. And that is that, the only time. So that's on us now. We know what our fucking job is. We got to do it. If we don't, well, then you're going to be stuck with an authoritarian country, violence, and all kinds of rights being taken away. That's just the way it is. And the uh, young folks, particularly, um, I mean, I mean, this this show is called uh, Rational Boomer, and, right. and Mike and I are both boomers. And sure, it's in our uh, best interest to have Social Security and Medicare and the social social safety net, but it's in yours too. Unless you want your mom and dad li- living with you, then you better get your ass to the polls and vote. Yeah, no shit. No, I mean, it's real easy to be young because I know I did it to, 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 you know, when I was 30 years old, the thought of being 62 never entered my mind. I never thought that would happen, not because I thought I would die young, but because it was so far in the future, you know, who knows what the fuck is going to happen. But now here I sit at 62. Um, and in terms of Social Security, do I need it to survive? Probably not. 
but I paid into that motherfucker. I know exactly how much I paid into it because they sent me a note. You know, when I applied for it, they told me how much I paid, how much my employers paid. And that's a fucking lot of money. And I don't you say pay cash me, me out, right? Cash me <laughs> out, motherfucker. I'll just take the cash in general. You don't have to pay me every month. Just give me the cash. But the point is I paid into this. This is an entitlement. This is what I paid for. And because I'm a capitalist and because I've been in business, if I pay you something, I better fucking get it back. I better get something in return of equal value. I agree with you 100%. Um, and this is why I keep harping on this, that the Republicans want to destroy the federal government, because all of these programs were mandated by the federal government. Women got the vote because of the federal government. And uh, I, I mean, by the federal government being influenced by women and their allies to get the vote. And uh, black people got the vote by um, them going out and raising awareness and getting their skulls busted and convincing enough white people to go with them that they got the vote. But it was the federal government who came down with the regulations and said, you will do this. You will have fair elections. You will let black people sit at the lunch counter. You will let women vote. You will let them get a credit card. Republicans want to wipe that all away. That's it. Listen to me. They want to wipe that all away. They want a state government that will say, well, uh, you know, uh, we think black people are dumb. So we're going to have a uh, uh, we're going to have a test before you can vote. You got to you got to pass a test in, in, in order, order to vote. And we get to decide the questions in the different precincts. You know, they can do anything they want if there's not a federal government standing over them with a club. And that's what it comes down to. That's that's the unfortunate thing about it. We have to be. We have some people have to force be forced to be good and decent and honest and truthful. If they are not forced, they will not fucking comply. One thing I want to go back, just jump back and bring it all the way back around to replacement theory. This has been around since the beginning of the country. You know, I mean, we were uh, we had a lot of English folks here, so we used English rules, but we had a lot of German folks, too, and, and they didn't get along so well. And, and then we had some Irish people come in and we didn't care for them at all. We had bad names for them. And then then we had Chinese people coming in on the West Coast. and They were great for building a railroad, but we didn't want them living in our neighborhood and right. Japanese and and the, the Mexicans. Well, they, they were already fucking there. I mean, we came in and took their land. They were there first. Right, right, right. And uh, the same with the Native Americans and so forth. But uh, it's always been there, this idea that people are coming from outside that are going to change the way we live. Well, what happened? No. We decided we like Mexican food and Chinese food and Japanese food. And, and we decided that uh, Irish whiskey was pretty good stuff. And, and uh, all of these people brought stuff in with them that, we, that became part of our culture. We've always been strengthened by immigration. And uh, you and I were there in Minnesota when the Vietnamese came and the Hmong came. And, right. and uh, they became part of the fabric of Minnesota. And they became politicians. And they became, uh, they first they were cab drivers. And then, then, they, then they, uh, um, the, the first wave graduated from college. And they became lawyers and doctors and uh, nurses. And we married and, them and had kids with them. Exactly. And that's been the strength of America from the beginning, one from many. It ain't in God we trust. It's one from many 
that is our motto. It's always been our motto. And when it ceases to be our motto, we cease to be a democracy and a country. Absolutely. Well, we're over on time again, which is fine. My fucking show. We do whatever the fuck we want, but we're old people and uh, we can go on a rant and a tear for a while, but uh, at some point we have to rest. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for my nap. (laughs) It's yeah, No question. All right. Ed, I want to thank you for stopping by and uh, uh, doing the show and, and, and talking about the things we talked about. Hopefully the folks that are listening, get something out of it. I know they do because I get the comments. So I appreciate them, them listening. Um, if you have questions, comments, complaints, whatever, by all means, just send us a note at rationalboomer at gmail.com. We're always happy to do it. I've got like maybe three people who are in the audience that want to be on the show. I'm going to try to coordinate times because I got to coordinate with their time and my time. And if Ed's going to be involved, Ed's time. So it will take a little bit of doing, but you'll get on the show if you want to be. And uh, we had a good, good uh, first one with Kevin. And I'm sure the next ones will be fine too. So Ed, thanks for coming by. Uh, We're going to do this again sometime very soon this week. Um, But I hope everybody has a great day and uh, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.